0: Please dive in. Hey folks, welcome to another edition of the Uncivilized Podcast. This is Traver. Today I have a guy on that is a genius. Very rarely do I use that word, but I have Jeff Brown coming on. If you don't know Jeff. He's an author, he's a speaker, he's in the, the uh, consciousness space. And one of his more famous quotes is, if you wanna live a more spiritual life, live a more human life. Be more truly, fiercely, heartfully human. Now, bear with me on this interview. Every time we came to a break, I went, uh, I have so many questions, I'm not even sure what to ask. And then I would ask a simple question and boom, Jeff would take us down the wormhole. Uh, we talk about consciousness, we talk about spiritual bypass, we talk about men's work, his definition of enlightenment, which he calls enrealment. I know you're going to get a ton out of this, and you may have to listen to it a couple times, Jeff Brown. Jeff Brown, thank you so much for joining me. If you, uh, if you wouldn't mind letting our audience know um, where in the world you are and what's, what's sort of going on in your city, because we have a lot of Corona listeners right now.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm in Canada, uh, just outside of Toronto, and we're we're on, I guess, informal lock-in right now. Most everybody is staying home, uh, going for walks, uh, not gathering in public places. Uh, our Prime Minister uh, Justin Trudeau has been quite clear in the last number of days, and uh, quite excellent actually in the situation. Mm-hmm. And because it was very clear, some people were not taking this seriously, and not only young people, all kinds of people. So. They're getting, he's getting a lot firmer with respect to gathering in various places. And so, yeah, people, you know, the highways are mostly empty-ish, maybe 20% of usual. The stores that are non-essential are closed. And yeah, so we're, we're there with that. We're, we're really honoring the physical distancing component of it. And, you know, waiting for more testing capacity, because it seems that the combination of testing capacity and physical distancing seems to manage this
0: problem. Amazing. And and how, if I may ask, how are you feeling about it just personally?
1: Oh, I think that sort of my conditioned and experiential masculinity, mm-hmm. vigilance consciousness has been supremely activated.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It doesn't take much to turn me into a hypervigilant warrior. And, you know, there's a place for it. It's just when it starts to spin into panic-demic and shifts away from pandemic, then we've entered into a a very dangerous consciousness. And we see that happening collectively. I mean, I think the culture has been, you know, in panic-demic mode since Trump and then the anxiety around climate change have entered our consciousness. So it doesn't take anything to spin us into this. and Right. So the trick for me is to sort of keep my wits about me and be appropriately vigilant without it piggybacking onto all of my early trauma, the stuff that actually made me vigilant in my family of origin.
0: Right. Beautiful. I have so many questions for you and I'm trying to keep this organized, but if we could start when it all came about, uh, what I saw was a huge outburst in the spiritual community of how all we needed to do to get through this was just keep our vibe high. (laughs) <laughs> and stay positive. And I, I even made a, a public post that it's okay to be afraid and had someone come on and tell me that I'm just playing small. And so, would you mind <laughs> sharing some thoughts on one, what is spiritual bypass? And yeah. why do you think the seeds are so ripe during something like this for it to blossom and explode?
1: Well, they've been ripe for a long time, haven't they? You know, but sh- John Wellwood is said to be the one that created the term spiritual bypassing Mm -hmm. and so i'm just looking for the definition of it in in my book around spirituality but you know basically what it means is that you you utilize this thing we call spirituality in order to avoid the unresolved and challenging aspects of the human experience Mm -hmm. just put it in simple terms Now, because i define spirituality differently than how we've been conditioned to define it in the patriarchal spiritual world, I actually don't believe that they're actually using spirituality to bypass it because I think spirituality for me is reality. So I don't think they're going anywhere spiritual. I think they're going somewhere just completely and utterly self-avoidant without any sacred component. So let me just grab my definition of the transcendence bypass, which is essentially the same thing from grounded. The tendency to bypass reality through transcendent means arising above a heightened quest, an ungrounded flight of fancy. Common amongst those who identify themselves as spiritual, the transcendence bypasser has abandoned healthy detachment floating off into the dissociative abyss until reality brings them back to the ground. The great irony is that transcendence bypassers are actually the ones most controlled by earthly matters. Their addiction to the above is driven by their unresolved issues down below. They've actually trance-ended nothing. It's all still waiting for them on Mother Earth. So, of course, right now and during Trump time, is a wonderful time to write all kinds of spiritual bypassing angelic books. I wish I could write one. I'd be a giant best-selling author in fifteen minutes, um, <laughs> because people don't want to be here. And they really, some people, they can't manage this. They don't have the emotional, energetic bandwidth to handle this. They haven't worked through their stuff, so it's piggybacking onto this, and they're completely flooded and overwhelmed. So they bypass. And the problem is, if they were just left all alone in their little world bypassing, it's fine. But yeah. they're the most dangerous people out there because they're the ones most likely to go out into the world, interact normally, because they actually don't believe any of this is real. And they think a perpetual positivity vibration is yeah. actually going to protect them immunologically from a dangerous pandemic.
0: Mm. That was what was so frustrating for me on social media was actually, no, stay home and wash your fucking hands. Don't yeah. just think positive right. thoughts as you flitter through. Right and flutter through society.
1: Bypassers don't have boundaries. The nature of a spiritual bypass is to be, you know, this really delusional and ungrounded and unintegrated notion of oneness where there is actually no self to come home to, right? right? You know, it's like life without a center as though that's somehow a healthy, integrated way of living in the world. Because, you know, the whole patriarchal spiritual tradition has been about bypassing selfhood, bypassing human story, bypassing your unresolved issues, claiming all of it is just an illusion, that you need to rise above. All of this delusional higher-than-thinking, which, and I use the language too, as though we're birds and not humans, is the direction to move towards the heightened absolute consciousness field you know, with Eckhart Tolle witnessing your pain body and as though the witnessing of your pain body somehow evaporated. It didn't, you just become a meditation addict. It's like a drug trip and all your stuff is still waiting for you and shows up in every single part of your life. So Mm. it's dangerous, Traver. And, you know, when I wrote Grounded, I knew what was coming. I didn't know a pandemic was coming, but I knew we were in trouble as a species. And when you see this kind of ungrounded thinking, you now more deeply understand why we're in trouble.
0: And is it because were, were we in trouble because reality was getting so much more unsustainable, like on the ground of the things that we noticed that didn't jive, that were out of integrity, were those building to a point that we couldn't we either had to do something or leave the leave the building you know emotionally? Like, why were we so ripe even before this?
1: Because I think the greedy, patriarchal way we've organized reality, which may have served us in the building stages, mm-hmm. in survivalistic consciousness, right? Trump's a survivalist. So, right. and the survivalists love survivalists. And, and, But the movement towards a more authentic, inclusive consciousness has taken root. They can't do anything to stop it. Survivalists are like T-Rexes on their last legs, basically, Mm -hmm. and they know it. So they're going to grab as much as they can while they can because it doesn't work anymore. We're Mm -hmm. destroying our capacity to live on this planet because of our ungrounded, greedy self-centeredness. And okay. so I, I stand on the shoulders of survivalism. I have a lot of survivalism built into me. I'm I'm both of these things at the same time. But it just doesn't work on a species-wide level anymore. It's the most obvious thing we have to work to move towards a more relational socialistic inclusive consciousness in order to preserve the species in order to be able to really see what's happening around us. see for me what i realized for me tole and trump became the same thing mm-hmm. because both of them in the Tolian world in the patriarchal spiritual world in my opinion this, this whole construct was about mastery and this thing called enlightenment and this thing called awakened, as opposed to awakened, felt very similar to me to the emphasis on actualization and achievement in the patriarchal economic realms and the unconscionable mm-hmm. capitalist world. To me, they're both leading us in the direction of being sort of super self-centered and right. not taking anything seriously, horizontally, outside of ourselves on an environmental level or on a relational level. Mm-hmm. And eventually, if you do that for long enough, you destroy everything.
0: Right. Right, right, right. So, in your mind, if you could give us a quick picture of what would what would the shift look like, both in the spiritual world and then in the physical world, of this in more integrated or integrated idea.
1: Well, we would call it maybe a conscious capitalism. So, you know, not every man for himself, but every man for humanity, as an Mm. example. In the spiritual world, we would begin to define spirituality as a more grounded, inclusive, and integrated construct that invites every single part of us and every other member of humanity to the table, rather than just pondering our no navels in the cave for 30 years, pretending that we're bringing the vibration higher for the entire village below that's feeding and serving us. That would all be gone. We would begin to understand that the most spiritual one is the one who's holding the greatest number of realms of consciousness at one time, rather than mastering or perfecting a singular thread like the master meditator to the expense of every other aspect of their humanness and everyone else's. Mm. So we would really be engaged in what I call enrealment. Our goal would be to really get here, not to you know, not to be here now. What does that mean to be here? I mean, it's a wonderful idea, Ram Dass's idea, but. To me, what we're talking about is to be real now. It's about getting here for all of this. That's presence. Presence is a whole being experience. And what all these people are doing are defining presence as the development of an aspect of the human experience and completely underdeveloped in every other part of their lives. Do you know how many people I've met in California and Maui that are living in their cars claiming they're enlightened and they perfected their meditation practice, but they can't function in any other part of their life? That's what we're talking about.
0: Yeah, they've spiritually evolved past money without ever having made it.
1: They haven't evolved okay. beyond anything yet. It's just, it's, a, it's just dissociative. That's all it is. It's just a big load of bullshit. We've been being fed this lineage-based load of bullshit about spirituality for centuries. There's billions yeah. of people buying this stuff, and it's not serving them because they're completely negating the embodiment practices, and they're completely negating the resolution required of the emotional body and dealing with their trauma in order to actually evolve as an individual and a species.
0: So in your mind, and thank you for saying all that. Again, I have a million questions that are flying by me at the same time. Cool. Uh, Can you define enrealment for people who just heard the term and haven't read your book, which by the way, everybody go read this man's book, read all the books. And secondly, how are you seeing trauma resolving, working with acceptance of, as opposed to denial of trauma, coming into this new picture And are you seeing it because trauma, therapy, the word trigger, men's groups, circles, shadow work seem to be on the rise? So one can you define in real men? And do you see that, oh, people actually are moving towards it? Yeah. And then lastly, do you get like, Fucking hate mail from the spiritual community on a oh, daily yeah. basis.
1: Yeah, so that's that's part <laughs> three. So l- let's start with uh, part three, uh, which is listen. There's nothing angrier than an angry Buddhist. Okay, uh, so raised by one. Yeah, yeah. All you got to do is activate their stuff, and it is wild. So I have received probably thousands of hostile emails since Grounded Spirituality came out, and even before then, when I've been writing against this stuff from people in the new cage movement from Buddhists from pseudo non-dualists because i go after the whole i call the non-dual movement not of advaita but avoida so you know i've got language for their game and so yeah it's gone on for a long time and i've had to have certain protection measures in place in terms of location and where i am and all kinds mm. of things like that wow it's just hard part- Part of my reality. Yeah. yeah. So let me let me go back to part one and read a definition of enrealment. From I have a on jeffbrown.co, which is my main site, I have a dictionary called the Enrealment Dictionary of my new terms and language. So Enrealment. The idea that a more heightened consciousness is not all about the light, as enlightenment often implies, but is about becoming more authentically human, flaws and all, and more genuinely here in all respects. Shadow and light, earth and sky, grocery list, and unity consciousness. Enrealment is about living in all aspects of reality simultaneously rather than only those realms that feel the most comfortable Our expansion is directly linked to our capacity to experience our spirituality in inclusive and authentic terms We're not just the light or the mind or the emptiness or eternal positivity We are the everything it's all God even the dust that falls off our awakening hearts And then it it goes beyond that, but they can check that out if they want on that uh, the dictionary on the site and, and your other question, which I think is a, a fantastic question, is uh, I think two things have been happening. And I think Trump has activated a lot of that. I, mm-hmm. I think there's been a larger and more significant movement towards spiritual bypassing in the presence of him because of all of the fundamental triggering that he does around people who are holding traumatic, unresolved material. Mm-hmm. So you'll see a lot more people buying angel books. Mm-hmm. A lot more people buying Hay House type books, mm-hmm. a lot more people leaning towards like pseudo non-duality practices so they can dissociate on some level. Mm. And then on the other side of it, which is the beautiful thing, you're seeing people starting to do all the somatic body centered work around their trauma that yeah, I've been writing about and wrote about in relation to bioenergetics for years. Um, and Al Lowen was my therapist. So somatic experiencing is on the rise. TRE is on the rise. Core energetics and now radical aliveness are on the rise. And that's because I think the advantage to him, and I don't want to glorify anything about that man, but is that it pushed so many people up against their trauma, squashed up inside with it because of him as this profoundly intense triggering figure Mm -hmm. that you were either in a decision to make, you were either going to trip out and bypass Mm -hmm. or for a great number of people, you were going to actually decide, okay, now I've got no other choice but to do the work and Mm -hmm. I'm going to go into my body because that's the only way to do the work.
0: Do you see that also happening right now with the virus that so many people are locked down that it's either cool, I'm going to sit in my house and burn sage and get high or, oh, shit, I better figure out why I am so uncomfortable after not being able to drink for two days?
1: I mean, maybe, I mean, it t- depends yeah. how long it lasts for. I think the problem is that they don't have tools, you know, in grounded spirituality, I began to develop some exercises and there are so many other exercises out there, but there are so many more exercises like meditation practices that are more bypass oriented that have normalized in the culture. So A lot of times now they're sitting in their rooms in those feelings and they're like just meditating and it's actually bringing them into a greater state of turmoil because it's not a cathartic practice. What people need right now is catharsis. They need to release their holdings. They need to cry and rage. They need to move their material. And quite often the so-called popular spiritual practices actually just perpetuate and deepen the problem.
0: Mm, okay.
1: We need more tools, Traver. That's what we need for this yeah. exact moment. So I'm going to film today a smashing of my foam cube. I'm going to smash the COVID virus on my cube, amazing that up there, just to give people an idea of what it looks like to move anger. Because, yeah, you know it's okay to be fucking angry at this fucking thing, for and sure. it's okay to cry about this thing. And yeah. immunologically, you're better be better protected if this thing comes your way if you've released your holdings than if you've sat there containing them and just meditating and pretending everything's all right when you're holding so much bubbling up emotion in this culture within yourself.
0: Yeah, I'm actually going to lead a, uh, I don't know how this is going to go, Jeff, a two-minute conscious rant on Zoom where anybody's welcome to come and just beat the fuck out of whatever they want and watch other people do it. I think one of the surprises that we've had, uh, I posted something the other day about throwing a pan of eggs into the sink after getting frustrated that a shell or two got in there out of nowhere. Just well, like,
1: but 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 out of somewhere,
0: out right. of somewhere for sure, yeah, out of yeah. out of all of this happening in the background. Yeah, yeah. And I posted You're about a- it and was shocked at the response of how many private messages it was, not public, but like, thank you. You know, I punched a hole in the wall yesterday. Thank you. I screamed at my kid. Thank you. Yada yada. Do you think this is? Unexpressed rage or unexpressed grief that's going on right now, or both. I
1: think I think it's absolutely both. You know, yeah. I, I I think it's absolutely both. And you know, a lot of people have not sat still mm-hmm. in Western culture and had to really come into contact with their stuff mm-hmm. or get closer into the relationship with the people they live with in decades. So all of a sudden, you're stuck. You can't go anywhere. You're in the house with people that you're even getting to know. All your triggers emerge with no practices for release. We've shamed and shunned. Healthy organic emotional expression so much in the culture that the only way people feel they can manage it is to try to use a bliss, bullshit bliss meditative practice. You know, mm-hmm. instead of celebrating and inviting each other to smash the mattress, do practices to release the grief and yeah. so we can come back and actually connect to each other. People don't know how to do it, it's been shamed and shunned everywhere. So now we've got to really show people how to do it and tell them that it's okay. You know, It's not like I need permission to do it, but a lot of people feel like they need permission to do it mm. because it's been so discouraged for so long. So I think it's all kinds of stuff is going to come up from all kinds of places in the heart of this. Yeah. Uh, and the important thing is that we move that stuff.
0: Mm. I don't know if this is potentially throwing a landmine at you, but why do you think that if, if you do, if you agree with this, that more women are prone to spiritual bypass than men are?
1: No, that's not been my experience. My experience okay. is that more men are prone to. Oh, really? Than women. Oh, by far. Yeah. Really? But, but, but they do it a little differently. I would say, I mean, it's generally speaking, I would say yeah. women tend to do it in a softer way, a more a- angel-oriented way, more traditional new cage practicing, but men do it in a much more dangerous and hardcore way. They really get into the, the state and the delusion of master spiritual man. Enlightened master man, mm. wise man, mm. um, superior man, who has, ironically, claims to have resolved his ego, when in fact he's moving completely from the unhealthy aspects of the ego. And
0: oh, so, from like a teaching standpoint or a, a leadership standpoint, they're doing it, not so much uh, as
1: a well. Well, no, but I think you, you know, in the book I dialogue with a guy named Michael. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. So, Michael's a classic spiritual bypasser, he's not really a new cage guy. Yeah. He really was more oriented towards the patriarchal spiritual belief system. You yeah. know, he, you know, the idea that dissociating or disconnecting from the emotions to move into the absolute consciousness field was really the most evolved and awakened path. And he interacts with his very heart centered partner in the book, Hannah, mm-hmm. from exactly that place. That is super, super, super common. I've worked in session with these guys and I can't do a lot with them. They are so buffered. They are so defended. And all of it is framed as some kind of a superior consciousness. And they don't want to let go of that because if they do, they've got to plunge right back into all that unresolved feeling stuff. And they don't want to go anywhere near it, especially if they've been doing this avoidance practice for decades.
0: And and can you define buffered in this case? Like how are they?
1: Well, it it becomes like an egoic, Defense structure. So mm. every single thing that comes in that could make them emotionally uncomfortable or have to confront their own issues, there's an answer for it, right? There's, uh, a, there's a, e- it's like egoic armor. Yeah. You know, ironically, you know, and this fixation in patriarchal spirituality on the mind is the problem. Is part of the game, right? It's mm. like you know the monkey mind term. You know mm-hmm. the monkey mind yeah, term. Yeah, so yeah. I call it the monkey heart because my experience was the more I cleared my emotional debris somatically, the more my mind calmed down. And if I stayed inside of my mind and just fucked around and witnessed and tried all these practices, I could tame it, but I had to become an automaton to do that. The mind wasn't the problem. The mind was a symptom of the real problem. Patriarchal spirituality has set this up so they can play this little mind game about bashing the mind while remaining within the mind to cope with the mind so they don't have to ever drop down into their bodies and deal with their actual true spiritual issue, which is their broken heart.
0: Oh, amazing! Okay, let's transition, if we could, uh, since we were talking about men. So much of the work that I do now is with men. I was, you know, it's it's even more ironic that a guy named Michael introduced me to your work. If you know Michael Gay, he's a therapist here. Oh, on-
1: yeah, I think I know his name.
0: Amer- amazing, amazing guy. Yeah, I've heard good uh, I things. Met, I met him with uh, working with a group of men. What would you say, given the lens that you have on the men's movement and the way? not men's spirituality is evolving, but what seems to be men's consciousness, are we moving towards more bypassing by engaging in a spiritual practice? You hear, you're hearing like men are finding their heart. Men are opening up. Men are great, great. Con- discovering consciousness. Do you see this as the potential of bypassing or do you see it as actually what's been necessary for men all along?
1: Well, if men are dropping down into if we if we believe that men are dropping down more into their heart space, then that's not spiritual bypassing, that's healthy spirituality in my view. Because for me, emotional maturity and spiritual maturity are synonymous. Um, Mm -hmm. That's not the patriarchal spiritual view. The patriarchal spiritual view is that those things don't matter. What matters is finding this absolute self and all the rest of that. So Mm -hmm. I think if that's what's happening, if there yeah. is an awakening men's movement, I just put on awakening men's uh, transformation course that's gone crazy with downloads. So Amazing. that tells, and I don't think a few years ago that would have happened. I think a course would have okay. just sat there and been o- only occasionally downloaded. Yeah. So. I think something is happening, but my concern is that if we are moving towards a more survivalistic world, so COVID's a great example Mm -hmm. of how that's forcing us to go back to vigilance or climate change or anything, my great concern, you know, like the way I've been proceeding in my work is for years is on the assumption that we're moving, we just can keep going. You know, Mm -hmm. in this way without getting pulled back into hardcore survivalism. Mm. If we do get pulled back into it, the worry is that we have to abandon all of these subtleties and become just hardcore. Malevolent warriors again. You know, right. I think the first step is to go from malevolent warriorship to benevolent warriorship. Mm-hmm. I think that's the step you're talking about with men yeah. going into their hearts. How we do that in a world where we're challenged just on a basic survival level every day, that's, I don't think enough of the authentic consciousness in men has taken root right. uh, for us to not return back to that hypervigilant survivalist consciousness. So that's the worry for me.
0: So we're going to go back to the primal, really. Yeah. So
1: here's an example. So 9-11 happened. I just started writing my first book, soul shaping a few yeah. weeks in the back room. I was like getting in again. And then 9-11 happened. And then all of a sudden I'm like, fuck this book. Who wants to read this shit? And I'm driving down my down Bathurst street in Toronto in my car looking for, you know, Muslim terrorists. I mean, right. you know, it was a completely primal consciousness and, no, nobody could have ever, pers- and, it, and from that perspective, all that deep and subtle and surrendered work I has just done for two weeks at Harbin Hot Springs crying, raging, whatever, yeah. seems ridiculous to me. Right. So
0: this is our yeah. challenge. You know, I was just just maybe a day or two ago, watched a video of uh, someone to put up of David Data talking about men deeply engaging in their hearts. And I was like, uh, I just think most guys are worried about where they're going to get their paycheck next week. And they should be.
1: They have and, to take care of should, themselves yeah. and their families. Absolutely. For sure. I mean, I mean, I'm a grounded spiritualist. So survivalism, I've been, you know, I've knocked on more doors selling window products in the last 30 years than anybody in North America. Okay. And I was doing that full time and then writing till three in the morning full time. So I, under, I can't create if I'm worrying about money. I know that I'm that product. So I get it. And I think, you know, for me, the movement is not away from survivalism as a aspect of the human experience. It just, Does something else shows up that takes up space too, which Mm -hmm. is your movement towards what I call sacred purpose, callings, or a more authentic consciousness? So, you know, we stand on the shoulders of survivalism because without it, how are we going to do any of this? 100%. You know, can't afford therapy if you don't have any money.
0: Yeah. And and who gives a shit what your purpose is if you're starving?
1: Well, that's your purpose to get food. food.
0: Right. Can you speak just on that idea with with regards more so to men than uh, just with regards to men of the idea of purpose and mission? And is that getting pulled into the psycho spiritual realm or is that getting toyed with at all? Or do you think as men, that's something that's still very important?
1: Well, I think that, you know, when I started to write about what I call sacred purpose, nobody had really used that term. All I ever saw was divine purpose. So Mm. it was always seemed to be, so this is a different way of answering your question, but it always seemed to be connected to something godlike, which for me is all part of the patriarchal traditions that we're conditioned to believe that we ourselves are not enough. It has to be channeled or connected to something outside of or beyond us. Right. Uh, my work is really about honoring selfhood and the magnificence of each individual, man and woman, and right. that there is an encoded purpose or path, directionality, what I call true path, and signs and indicators of that path living inside of our bones and the mm-hmm. bones of our being. So that's the direction of the work, uh, so that it's about you, and But not you in a narcissistic sense, you in the way that you understand your relationship to the collective and the role you're here to play in the, in yeah. the heart of that. But I do think that the term purpose has become, like the term spiritual, like the word enlightenment, has become watered down. It's, it becomes a branded marketing construct where nobody even, I've seen a bunch of people's books where they're talking about purpose. They're not really talking about what I'm talking about. They're, mm-hmm. they're talking about it as a, as a more generalized term. If you're not embodied, if you're not deeply present, if you're not deeply inside of your bones, you can't find or humanifest your purpose.
0: Mm. So
1: all of these spiritual practices that nullify the individuated self and then talk about purpose, it's, it's completely contradictory. Right. Where you are you going to find it if you're not in your body? Right. Because the information comes from your body, right? You know, you have an experience and you get like what I call a truth chill. It's like, oh yeah, that's an indicator of direction. Or you go in the wrong direction and you have what I call a truth ache that says, you know, that's not really who you are in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. But if you're not attuned to yourself or inside of yourself, you can't have that experience. So you start looking for purpose in this amorphous way that doesn't really lead anywhere.
0: Can, Jeff, can you talk to people who are putting purpose up against uh, reaction to pri- to child or, or prior trauma.
1: Yeah. So, so right now, How do you so, know, the difference. So, so I, I define sacred purpose. This is a great question. I define sacred purpose very broadly. So for years people talked about purpose as your great calling or mission in the world, like to become Oprah Winfrey. Right. And I realized that my most transformative work around purpose was the emotional healing work at this stage of the collective. We are carrying so much unresolved stuff. We are so bunked up with stuff. That's why love relationships are so hard because most people can't even begin to name their own stuff and then they're stuck in a room with someone with their stuff flying around. So Mm -hmm. for me right now at this stage of human development, the most primary way to experience sacred purpose is to work on yourself your emotional healing is your purpose. And and that's what transforms the collective. That's what brings the ancestry forward. That's what heals the lineage. And that's what gets you into a state or a place where you can actually figure out what your mission is and have the energy to utilize it. When you're all bunked up with unresolved stuff, you can't find your purpose inside and you don't have the energy to activate it or to manifest it. So you've got to do the work. The trauma work is sacred purpose.
0: For people who have heard that term a thousand times but don't know what, quote, the work is, can you define it in your own language? Especially, yeah. I know I'm I'm it's okay. facing this a lot with men uh, because I work with them so much, especially around, it feels like that women have been doing this for a lot longer than we have and have more interest in their trauma, more interest in their inner worlds. And yeah. now suddenly the idea that men actually are traumatized is waking up into the male collective. But can you define the work? Because I think it gets thrown around a lot.
1: Yeah. So I think for me, the work is about developing an understanding of what you're holding. So it's not just about pumping up the body, energizing the body. I mean, you need to be willful in the healing process. But you need to also develop something men don't do very well, which is the capacity for surrender right? Mm -hmm. You have to be able to find that point of sacred balance between surrender and willfulness because you have to be able to befriend your confusion. You have to be able to not know, which is what we're not conditioned to not know. We're conditioned to know and to take action. You have to be able to find a way into your body, not as a muscle-bound armored construct Mm -hmm. that will see you through the survivalistic world. And that's fine if you need to do that, but you need to be able to learn how to open the body in a yogic sense, but with in emotionally conscious intention. So not just doing yoga, but utilizing that as a practice to energize and to activate and excavate what you're holding. you got to get to know what's living inside of you, Hmm. what your defenses are like, what your mechanisms are, how you armor yourself emotionally, how you block your heart, how you don't allow yourself to access the real feelings, how you don't allow yourselves to express your feelings. And you probably need to do the work somatically because talk-based work often just
0: keeps men in their heads. For people who don't know what somatically means, can you define that, please?
1: Yeah. So there are body-centered psychotherapies like bioenergetics, core energetics t-r-e somatic experiencing and the idea is that there are various exercises some interactive, some actually physical, like bioenergetics has some very charged opening techniques, mm. like hitting the cube or going over a breathing stool, as an example, yeah. where you open up the parts of your body that are tightly held. And when you open them up, you begin to access old feelings, memories, and things that need to be expressed that have been stored below the defenses of the musculature. So one practice would be if you do holotropic breath work, which is a great somatic psychotherapeutic practice, if you have that intention, you can use that to float away, or you can use that to go deep inside. And that's what I did. Mm -hmm. Then you intensify the breath. Quite often what you do is realize that you've been living your whole life shallowing your breath, which means you've had shallow access to your feelings. That's why you develop that technique at an early age Mm -hmm. without even consciousness around it, just to protect yourself from feeling. So as you deepen the breath, you begin to activate feeling. And then therapeutically, you work the feeling to understand where's it coming from, what's it telling me, and what does it need me to do in order to achieve some resolution of those memories, experiences, and early life traumas. You're getting to know yourself on every level, not just the ways that feel the most comfortable or habitual.
0: I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. What are your thoughts on people in the coaching world, spiritual world, plant medicine world, Guiding these openings without perhaps per se formalized therapeutic training, a degree, uh, etc. Do you think that trust the medicine is? No. His- <laughs> I think it's
1: I think it's utterly idiotic and it should be illegal. That's what
0: I think. Oh wow! Okay.
1: I think that if they're not trained or don't have people who are trained to deal with the psycho emotional material that's going to come up, then I don't think people should do it. I, I think you can achieve almost all the same experiences with breath work yeah uh, without having to worry about the dangerous people die from ayahuasca, you just right. go online it 's not complicated My blood can, my liver is super sensitive yeah. i wouldn 't do that because that could kill me. I already know that. A lot of people don't know that and i've received streams of emails from people who lost loved ones either to actually having heart attacks through this process or to suiciding after the process mm-hmm. because so much material came up darkened their lens on reality right. um, and ultimately felt like there was no reason to be here in this world i think this is super dangerous yeah and there are a bunch of yogi ayahuasca people that are out there trying to make a living doing this without any regard for the consequences for the people that they're that they're tending to
0: why do you feel like it's safer with holotropic breathing if the opening i've been in rooms of, of 50 people doing holotropic breathing and the the releases the crying the screaming the orgasms the whatever it may be are as intense uh without the vomiting and the purging that i've seen in ayahuasca ceremonies
1: because of the blood chemistry issue with the drug That's it. They call it a medicine. It's a drug. And, you know, basically the way it interfaces with everyone's body is different and breath is breath. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't have that. I mean, you have to be careful based on your physical challenges. You should Mm -hmm. talk to a doctor or somebody who knows you well to know whether or not you can do the intensified holotropic breath work. I Mm -hmm. get that piece. Um, It's very wise and necessary, but this is a drug. And, you know, not everybody responds to a drug. You know, some people can drink five cups of coffee a day and not be affected. I shouldn't have more than a cup a day. I know what it does to my body. So clearly, blood chemistry plays a role in everything that goes. Sure.
0: Inside. And if we shift away from biochemically and go strictly to psychologically, uh-huh, we absolutely. see the same. Yeah, I've, absolutely. Breathwork is as powerful as psychedelics. Yet, would you advise people? before going into a breathwork session to make sure that there are trained yeah. professionals around? Yeah,
1: I mean, I think I think quite often people, particularly with the medicine, so-called medicine, yeah. they're in a desperate state in their lives, mm-hmm. psycho-emotionally. So they're already kind of on the edge, a lot of people, and they go and it's, they find money that they often don't have to go and do this. And it's an extreme experience. And if they're already a little fragmented, Like so much of the new age community and the bypass community are psychologically fractured. They're fragmented. They're unintegrated. So then they have an experience that takes them farther into a state of dissolution of the self. Right, they don't really have an established self to come home to. So I could mm-hmm. do breath work because I had a pretty sturdy self, even though I was exploring the edges of that self. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are going there without a sturdy self. And so, of course, they often do end up suiciding or going down very dark roads because these medicines, and again, depending on blood chemistry, affect them in various different ways. Mm-hmm. They have access to darkened states, visions, and imaginings, and then they're not in any condition or don't have the right therapist or can't afford therapy to come back into the the state of reintegration you have to be able to reintegrate stuff but if there's not a strong enough self there's nothing to integrate yet and so they're just going in the worst possible direction in the direction of the new cage movement but what they need is something solid grounded and sturdy
0: Hmm. Such as standard therapy or more?
1: Yeah, a solid somatic psychotherapeutic practice. I mean, to me, the see the problem with the bypassy spiritual world is all about dissolving the self, right? Mm-hmm. Fuck the ego, fuck the story, fuck the feelings, fuck all of it's an illusion. It's like preposterous. It's like the good lord, if there is one, made a mistake by putting us in human form, and these people have the audacity to say that, right? <laughs> it's, it's so, like, like what you're going to tell me? None of this is real. So, what the fuck is real? It's right. it's utterly fucking preposterous. Honestly. <laughs> (laughs) you know so i think the work to my work is to invite people to honor the self to Mm -hmm. doesn't mean you don't have a misidentified aspect to the self but a lot of the bypassers talk about misidentification as a way to get you to erode the self altogether no 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 your story is your glory baby so you got to go back in that story and find the threads that are true and then the misidentifications misinterpretations that need to be worked through so you can hone clarify and reintegrate yourself that's the work of our lives when you have enough of a self then you can move off into the oneness landscape and there's actually someone to come home to yeah i call it western consciousness blending the wisdom of the west which is the mm-hmm. development of a healthy sense of self yeah with the wisdom of the east which is the quest for say unity consciousness yeah if you go too far towards unity consciousness without a self you're doomed baby
0: mm. God, there's so much. You're
1: just floating into nothingness. Yeah, You're floating. And of course, if you have a lot of pain, that gives you a sense of relief. And the relief gets confused with enlightenment. So many of them are confusing relief and enlightenment, right? It's self-avoidance masquerading as awakening. That's mm-hmm. not what's happening. They're just finding these tools to stop feeling shitty. Right. And that's fine if you need to do it to survive. But at some point, you got to come back down into the body and work with what lives inside of you. Otherwise, you're not really here. They're all talking about the power of now and be here now, but they're not here. They're automatons. Right. right. O- or they're floaty bliss trippers, but they're not really in their feet.
0: Right. I completely agree. One of the conversations that's come out a lot I've seen in the last two or three years is shadow work or the idea of working with your shadow. Sure. Is that something that you believe in and advocate for, for us in the, in the level of consciousness that we have, say, in the West.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think that's the that's the work around the traumatic material. Yeah. So I think this I mean, I think the narrative around shadow work, trauma work, is beautiful. Yeah. If they're doing real work. Mm. When it starts to become I'm a trauma-informed yoga teacher, but the whole yogic philosophy is basically patriarchal spirituality in 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 its origins is really about getting away from the toxic body beast they're not trauma-informed unless they're using the yoga as a the asanas as an excavation practice and then working the material that comes up in the room that would be trauma-informed yoga and that's not what they're talking about so trauma-informed becomes a kitschy term shadow work becomes a kitschy term then you have all these unqualified ungrounded unintegrated people working with people who are in pain it's right. deadly dangerous you want to work with people who know what the fuck they're talking about
0: mm, 100% agree one of the things i loved best about your book was early on you started talking about the necessity and clear lack in in the western spiritual model of the divine feminine yeah. can you speak about why we've kept that out patriarchal whatever the word is patriarchically and do you see it coming back in and how do we usher it in more as a community and as a a culture
1: well i think this is the movement away from patriarchal constructs generally is the movement towards uh, more of a sacred feminine or divine feminine uh, way of being Mm -hmm. which is more feeling based more earthy and more relational you know patriarchal spiritual i didn't want to do that uh, fucked up guys you know do i think of it is like it's like a little when you're a little boy and you get caught like with your hand in the cookie jar so what do you do you reach for like the captain america shield and you go i am captain america that's the entire <laughs> spiritual community okay that's the whole spiritual world right there So that's my belief. And, you know, and that's all they're doing. It's all. And then they put on the garb and the clothing and they have all the practices and then they control you with lineage and you're not into lineage. It's all a big masked game. It's all a big story, and the women have been the wise ones from the very, very beginning. They understand that the world of feeling is the only world that really matters, and, and they know that they've been dealing with men forever, and I've been one of them, who are absolutely determined to convince everybody, and particularly their own shadow, that they have transcended the human fray. You mm. can't transcend it, baby, until you're dead, and then I even don't know what's going to happen then.
0: Right, right, right. So do you see that this, do you see a resurgence of it? Do you believe, like, are we talking a time frame or
1: a resurgence?
0: I mean, I think that we're, I think the movement
1: towards the therapeutic uh, experience is a movement towards the integration of the wisdom of the divine feminine, yeah. because it's an honoring of the significance of feelings hmm. and it's honoring the okayness of being able to, be where you are in your emotional life and so i think i mean i think it's happening but i think we need models like if you look at all months of the work that ken wilbur did right mm-hmm. wilbur so much was about you know looking at all of these male very patriarchal notions of spirituality and sho- showing you know he wasn't doing anything unique he was just sort of showing the sameness of these stage based models um mm-hmm and and the problem is there are very few spiritual models that are uh, oriented around the wisdom of the divine feminine and that's what we need desperately we need practices We need traditions. Mm -hmm. We need new models and frameworks. And I say that in the background of spirituality and the call to action, that this is the only thing that's going to save us. So that we start defining spirituality in a broader way. We give people the opportunity to explore different versions of spirituality. Because most of what we're calling spirituality now, you go from one don dual teacher to another. It's almost always the same thing with a different face. We need new embodied spiritualities that start from the ground up, that are about embodiment or about honoring feelings, and stop finding sacredness only outside of the challenges of the feeling life. Mm. It's happening, but it's happening slowly. But as the patriarchy crumbles, and that's what's happening because it's not serving us as a species, it has to happen.
0: Yeah, my wish is that this virus just shines the mirror up to just how unsustainable and fragile. Systems were across the board, from political systems to financial systems, to our own health systems, to city economic systems, to like, oh, wow, we have 50,000 homeless people living on the street. That's unsustainable, to thus ushering in a huge space for, like, for lack of a better term, because I know this is trite, but the heart. We have been dealing with the mind and, you know, with the epistem of progress in the West, the cock. We've got like, we're going to just fuck this thing till it grows. And then if not, we'll out logic it or we'll try to logic our way through it. Right. This area, the heart area is just like, "Um, what about me? I'm hoping that, you know, knock on wood, the collective of people having to, like my neighbors had a fire the other night. People sat around at a safe distance and told stories that wasn't happening three weeks ago. Uh, So,
1: so this is the problem. I think, I think, you know, I think baby Donald knows all of this and he wants everyone back to work. And because, and not just because all the conservatives want to keep making money off the people and he does too, but because I think they know that if this goes on too long, people are going to realize what kind of a bullshit system they got themselves trapped into all of us. And, and then there's going to be wild roving Tribes of people that are going after wealthy people and realizing they've been completely fucked with by the billionaires, and not just on a Bernie Sanders level in their hearts, but they're going to actually take action. So, and they're going to realize this whole system doesn't work. I mean, when when one percent of them own ninety percent of the money and they made all their money off the people, this thing is all insane. When Mm -hmm. people don't have money for rent, when so they want them back to work, so they'll feel relief that they have money to pay their rent, and then they'll forget that the system overall is completely fucked up. Hmm. So he, so in a way, if we wanted to evoke the most profound levels of change, we'd need this thing to go on for a lot longer before people can go back into the world. So they reach a stage yeah. of frustration and clarification and realization, and they realize just what this patriarchal system has done to them.
0: Yeah. And I, it's, but he's not no, going to let it happen. Yeah, as I was gonna say, it's a really unpopular idea. I've said the same thing that, God, I hope this goes on long enough that it's, it hurts enough that people actually look deeply into how, how flawed the system is, like a, a relationship that if you break up and then three weeks later get back together, you, know, you forget that like, oh, wow, you know we actually didn't do the work. None of us went to therapy. We didn't go right. get our shit addressed. Now we're back in this bliss period of everything's amazing. It's a honeymoon. And then a year later, the whole fucking house gets burned down and people are cheating and shit's getting thrown in the streets. Yeah, it's a very tenuous, tenuous time. What would you love to see amongst small groups, or let's just go individual to small groups of people, because that seems to be where the, the real, like we can't gather, we can gather online, but we really can't get a thousand people in a conference and say, okay, we've got, we now know there has to be a shift. You all run businesses, go forth and, and change the way the, the model is. What would you like to see on an individual level, just personally, and then on a small group level as well?
1: You know, I mean, right now, I'm just on an individual level. I'm just I feel a lot of empathy for people. Um, so many people live in our world without enough money, uh, no money in the bank, you know going living from paycheck to paycheck, just trying okay. to survive. And so just on a very individual level, I want this to end for their sake. If they're able to, you know, if they're if they're for whatever reason, because of how they're organized psychologically or because their circumstances are a little better if they're able to use this as an opportunity to get more deeply in touch with their unresolved emotional bodies and actually find a way to do some work in the heart of this space, I think that would be a beautiful thing. But I, you don't want to push people to do that work and go back into re-traumatizing cycles if they're in a state of panic. Um, it's it's really not the healthiest recommendation. They just need to ground and stay intact and survive and all the rest of that. I think the small group piece is kind of what your description was really beautiful. I see it happening online. Mm-hmm. I see it even happening in my community where people are finding a way to connect on a deeper level. And and you know when you remove all the distractions of the day, all we are is just these bare bones humans worried that this plague is coming to get us. and. You know, sometimes it can bring out the most vulnerable and connective aspects of us. You know, I wasn't well this winter. I had a challenge Hmm. and it brought me into contact with people that I had unresolved things with, including my best friend. And we've now reconnected. So beautiful, beautiful things can happen.
0: Yeah. I've noticed just even on my own phone of how many people have said, Hey, it's been eight months, a year since we've caught up. I got nothing to do this week. Let's FaceTime. Yeah. And and I get that we can't have eight hours a day of FaceTime and we have eight hours a day of work. And yet, I, I truly hope that people are to the best of their ability and potential. Uh, and I do have, as you said, an enormous amount of empathy, especially coming that the end of the month is coming right now. So okay. bills are due, rent is due. Mm-hmm. This is the first cycle we're seeing where uh, a lot of people do not have a paycheck and didn't get a paycheck and are truly going to be worried about where do I get food we do and, and in the files?
1: US medical care you know i mean this you know i live in canada so we all have <laughs> we have free medicare and it may not be on the same level as some parts of the US for those who can afford private medical coverage but you know it's really seems to me entirely inhumane that any country in the world should have people anxious about how they're going to pay an overcharged medical bill. I mean, it's you know what what's a grand here in the system is fifteen grand down there, and right. how how can working people afford it? And I just think this is utterly inhumane. We need to make our capitalism more conscientious and humane, and that's really the necessary step. And I think this is already revealing that, and yeah. is going to reveal that that it's enough of this nonsense already. You you can still thrive economically as a society while making sure everybody's taking care of in terms of medical coverage.
0: Yeah, I agree with you.
1: That's it it's just I, as a cane I can't imagine what that anxiety would feel like but I it's got to just be horrific, you know.
0: Yeah, and, and, and it's the question of do I live or do I get ruined? Okay. Right. Well,
1: absolutely, and, and then all of a sudden you get COVID nineteen, but you don't want to go to the hospital. You're thinking, yeah. oh, maybe I'll stay around a little longer. Maybe I'll get rid of it. I won't have to spend twenty five grand or a hundred grand to help myself. And right. and then they die. It's just like this is insanely yeah. this perspective on other humans. I mean, I get every man for himself is how America built, but I I think it's enough already. There's we, enough money to go around.
0: I agree with you. We haven't gotten to the point where we've realized that what worked and got us to a certain place. Is We can honor that and say, that was amazing. amazing. My grandparents lived a very different life than my father did. And now, oh, <clears throat> we have the prosperity and we have the consciousness. Right, right, and perhaps right. we can pull back. The- like That might've worked on a
1: non-traumatical level to create the anxiety you needed to create product and get going. And I get that. Yeah. But now there's enough money.
0: Right, right, right. Completely.
1: America's so, the richest country in the world. They got all kinds of crazy money. So they can make sure everybody's taken care of. And, and the billionaires can still stay a billionaires. They can mm-hmm. still make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. They'll find a way. <laughs> and besides, they're billionaires. They don't need to work anymore. It's, right, thing's right, ridiculous. Right. You could take away 99% of their money and they're covered for life. That's all they should have.
0: Yeah. I, I worked for a couple of billionaires and they still obsessively work. So I think there's more going on than just how uh, yeah. many yeah. zeros are in the account. I don't want to take up too much of your time. You've been more than generous with us. Where are you hanging out? Where can people find you? Do you have anything going on that you'd love people to join? How do people get more of you?
1: So main site now is jeffbrown.co because I'm a co-creational kind of guy. Um, My online school is Soul Shaping Institute. I have a writing course coming up soon. I do them frequently. It's very popular. Uh, There's also some downloadable courses on jeffbrown.co, access to all of my books, links to all six books. My latest book, Grounded Spirituality, is doing very, very well, especially right now, for obvious reasons, because it it it. actually meets us right where we live right now, which was my hope and intention. Perfectly To ground our spirituality in reality so that we can live a sacred life while also being grounded in common sense. What a concept. Um, you know, yeah. my main Facebook page is Facebook is just Jeff Brown and Capital Letters is very active and I'm getting very active on Instagram. I, I like it a lot there. There's not so much fighting on Instagram. <laughs> no,
0: it's an- like a lot
1: of sweet pictures. <laughs> I love it. It's because you can't oh you can't oh no, you something. can It's just pictures, yeah. little yeah,
0: pictures. It's like why well, Yeah, you can't it. argue with each other. Link link arguing, I call it. Uh, yeah. okay. Final class question I ask everybody. I know it's a little bit out of left field, but what is your definition of uncivilized?
1: living a living a life that eradicates our connection to our hearts
0: Ooh,
1: semi-heart-centered living would be a more civilized way of being Um,
0: okay okay
1: yeah if we're moving from our hearts we're much less likely to do harm if we're not we're much more likely to do harm
0: amazing thank you sir i really appreciate you coming on and sharing your wisdom i know you're a pleasure it was a pleasure to talk to you This is Trevor Boehm signing off on another episode of the Uncivilized Podcast. If you enjoyed this, please give us a share, give us a five-star rating on iTunes, and if you're interested in getting a hold of my book, Man Uncivilized, whether you're a man or a woman, please go to www.manuncivilized.com forward slash the book and get reading